Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Kelly Griffin, Workplace Strategy Lead at NBBJ, sits down with Wade McIntyre, Director of Real Estate and Procurement at Moss Adams. These two colleagues discuss how several changes and disruptions in the accounting industry led to the re-strategizing of Moss Adams Real Estate. In 2015, Moss Adams, <clears throat> the largest accounting firm headquartered on the West Coast, began to rethink its real estate strategy. Wade McIntyre, the Director of Real Estate and Procurement, working with his close partners, CBRE for Brokerage, Workplace Strategy, and Project Management, NBBJ for Design and Change Management, and Steelcase for Furniture, drove a new approach to real estate in anticipation of big changes in the accounting industry. My name is Kelly Griffin, and I lead our workplace strategy practice at NBBJ. I'm delighted to be joined by Wade today to share some of the things we've learned together over the past couple of years. And I wanted to start off with a couple of questions for Wade. So, Wade, there is a whole bunch of change that is facing the accounting industry. What are some of those disruptions? Well, first off, Kelly, it's a pleasure to be here with you, pleasure too. Pleasure to be with you. So, you know, it's really multiple disruptions that shaped our strategy, starting with, I think, the rising cost of commercial real estate. Up until three years ago, we had a very traditional design model that provided every person in the company an assigned seat. We also had a high ratio of assigned private offices, generally around the perimeter where they blocked much of the views and natural light for a majority of our people. And yet as an accounting and consulting firm, most of our practitioners are out of the office a considerable amount of time, and it just didn't make sense any longer to let expensive space be so underutilized. So we needed to move to much more flexible and efficient workspace, one that allowed seats to be shared rather than sit empty when an assigned occupant was out in the field. And did you see a trend where people were moving to be out in the field more and more than they had been at the beginning? I would say yes and no. As a general rule, yes, with technology, you can work anywhere. But also, a lot of our clients don't have the room for our people anymore either. So, it, you know, there's a balance there. Yeah with that. And so, you know, another of the disruptions I wanted to mention came in the form of recruiting challenges. I mean, accounting, believe it or not, it's a very competitive industry and it was becoming increasingly difficult to attract young professionals to a stuffy closed office environment. They want bright, open spaces that allow them to easily see and interact with their coworkers. Our 33 offices, although very nicely finished, were a collection of closed rooms and high-walled cubes that offered little flexibility or variety when it came to places to work and collaborate. So we decided that it was imperative to turn our old model upside down and attract the best and brightest new talent. The third disruption you know, isn't so much a result of what's happening today, but in planning for what we anticipate will happen tomorrow, and in a word, that's technology. Now, for sure, technology is impacting the way we practice accounting today, no doubt about that. Being able to efficiently work anywhere, process data at a much higher, faster speed, and communicate via video conferencing are just three examples, I think, of how technology is changing the accounting landscape now. But we believe that the impact is going to grow exponentially with the evolution of artificial intelligence. When combined with the new tax laws, the industry will likely need fewer people to generate the same amount of revenue in the traditional lines of audit and tax. 
So the last thing we, as a company, want to be stuck with in the future are long-term lease commitments for too much of what is our second most expensive asset, property. So this is another reason why we are getting out ahead of it. So then how did a new and standardized workplace strategy help you meet the demands of all of these disruptions? I would say, first off, our workplace strategy is about much more than just standardization, you know, although that is certainly one of the important elements. I mean, the term standardization usually conjures up image of structure, rigidity, and sameness. However, our approach to standardization has allowed us to build flexibility into the workplace while at the same time reducing the frustration of inconsistency. As our people move from one workstation to another, one room to another, or one renovated office to another, there's a continuity in the types of spaces, technology, and amenities they find. And that equates to efficiency. There's no guessing about where things are or how they're going to work. But the counterbalance to this comes from the wide variety of spaces available to them depending on what best supports the type of work they need to do that day or that hour. In the offices where we've deployed the new workplace strategy, there's been no reduction in productivity as we measure it. So the initial fears about the impact of noise, distraction, and lack of privacy in an open environment have proven pretty much to be unfounded, Kelly. Quite the opposite, there's an energy that pervades our new offices and an increase in collaboration. I think one of the best sources of learning for our younger practitioners is interacting with and listening to the partners and senior managers who are now totally accessible to them instead of behind closed doors. A testament of this at the very highest level is our CEO, who also sits in an open neighborhood. He recently stated that he's more productive than ever because of the ability to collaborate so quickly and easily with the other members of the senior leadership team. There's no need to get up and go down the hall to somebody else's office. And one of the things I appreciated was how you guys were so intentional about updating the HR policies to address the changing workplaces. Right. I mean, that kind of thing can't happen in isolation. Uh, the team made the expectations about where to work very clear and understandable, and that being in the office, learning together, working across teams was the primary goal. So the new policies encourage the ability to work from anywhere and with any team in the office, um, as well as the flexibility to deal with your own personal life, like taking a kid to the doctor or, yep. know, or waiting for Very a repair person at yes. home. Um, and I think it was by intentionally publishing and socializing the new policies, there was no confusion about what the expectations were. And the physical environment makes it possible to build relationships and connections and partnerships across many teams because you're not stuck in the same seat every day. You have a lot of choice about how to interact with those other folks. And I think it reinforces the concept that when people are together, when Masa Adams is all working together, they're doing more for their clients. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that I uh, really appreciated was how committed you were to the change management effort uh, from very early in the process. You, and you have to be. You have to be willing to invest in change management. Well, and we saw what a big difference it made yes, it does. when people had the opportunity to kind of process the loss of the old environment and their old ways of working and trying to envision new behaviors and new interactions that they have to get used to. I think one of the ways that really helped with that was getting the leadership team on Most board definitely. early yep. on, right? Because they were going through a change too. It was a huge loss and a huge change for them to move out of that corner office or move into something smaller. And I think 
I love the story that Wade tells about how Krishnamit, the CEO, uh, sat down with his leadership team and simply stated he was going to work in the open environment. He was not going to use a private office. And he looked around the room and asked if others felt any differently. Well, actually, what he said was, he said, I'm not going to sit in a private office anymore. I'm going to be out in the open. How do you guys feel about that? And uh, most of them looked like deer in the headlights. I mean, they, I'm sure they were hoping, oh, he, surely he'll forget this or he'll <laughs> change his mind. Uh, but he didn't. Yeah. Well, and as a result, none of the leadership in his office is in a private office. No. And his commitment to leading by example, I think, was contagious not only for all of those other folks getting on board, but for those folks learning that they had to model the behavior, too. I think the other thing that was really important was that not only did Moss Adams focus on the leadership and getting them on board, uh, Moss Adams also focused on everyday people. Everybody working in the office had to process this change through their own way. And I think what was um, really helpful is that people began to embrace the change by looking at it together. So people joined the art team or they joined the food team or you guys even invested a lot of time and energy making the swing space, which is pretty miserable. Yes. <laughs> Super tight not very pleasant but you made it fun you called it Camp Moss Adams and hosted events that made it you know livable for a couple of months so those activities as well as protocol work sessions about how to work together um, gave people a way to visualize their future what it was going to feel like and to give have a sense of control over the change that was happening to them and I think their feedback and ideas helped us fine-tune the design and make the shift to the new office a lot easier it did. You know, a couple things I'd, I'd like to add if I can. One of them, you've mentioned the HR team. And, you know, we get a chance to tour companies around our space quite often because they want to see how we did what we did so successfully. And oftentimes they're amazed when we tell them that one of the biggest, earliest adopters of this was our HR team because they always think, gee, there's so much confidentiality. How are we ever going to do that? And so we oftentimes will set them up with Jen Wine, our um, our managing director of HR, uh, because they actually just use the space exactly how it's supposed to be used. That's so. That's one thing I think is interesting here. And the other thing is is that on change management, the change management process we have as much process that we follow for that as we do negotiating leases, uh, design process. All of that, it's as important to us as any of those items are because it makes such a difference in the acceptance. Well, and that investment in people and how they actually process the change makes them feel sort of included and welcomed and um, highly regarded. Very definitely. Yeah. Okay, so one other question for you. Sure. What are some of the outcomes and benefits that you guys at Moss Adams have experienced through all of this Mm -hmm. um, very intentional process? Well, we measure success in three ways, and, you know, not surprisingly, those focus on how the strategy solves for the two of the three disruptions I talked about earlier. Um, Those are cost savings and recruiting. I mean, we also look at productivity. So just to give perspective to date, as the leases expire, we've implemented our full or a partial workplace strategy in eight of our 33 locations. From a cost-saving standpoint, this has allowed us to reduce our footprint by 67,000 square feet, which is about 10% of our portfolio. We've developed a very consistent way of measuring the cost savings from project to project. I mean, I work for CPAs, so there's no smoke (laughs) and mirrors here. Um, 
It's a fairly complex formula, but simply stated, it starts with the projected headcount over the term of a new lease from which we determine then the amount of space that would have been required you know, under our old traditional model. We then calculate the total occupancy cost of the old and new, including rent, OPEX, and out-of-pocket capital. So the delta between the two models reflects the savings to date, and that amounts to $34 million for the projects we've done at Moss Adams. And that includes all the investments you've yes. made in technology and the new office space. That is over and above the capital investment. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, the impact on a recruiting is harder to quantify. I mean, most of the information is anecdotal, but... According to our people team, and as I mentioned, they're very much uh, uh, on board with this new workplace strategy, you know, they said the design has had a very positive impact on our ability to attract talent. Candidates repeatedly express amazement over the bright, open environment and state they want to work at Moss Adams. And then the impact on productivity, that's also hard to definitively measure. I mean, in the accounting industry, we already have long-established metrics by which we gauge individual and office performance. And there isn't just one metric, there are actually many. So as I mentioned earlier, we have definitely seen no erosion of productivity as measured by those metrics. And in some cases, it has gone up, but we can't specifically tie those increases to the environment. Still, we know that facilitating collaboration and learning are key to achieving productivity goals. And in those areas, there can be little doubt, although the evidence is still anecdotal, that the new workplace has had a very positive impact. So there's a lot of organizations that are grappling with exactly this problem sure. and how to manage um, the stories that are being told about the open environment, the resistance to change. What would be your advice for other organizations who are beginning on this journey? Well, you're right. I mean, the open office environment has been around quite a long time, and many organizations have adopted it in one form or another. You know, some studies I read about now say that the pendulum is swinging back to a more traditional design because the open model has proven to be not successful. You know, we just haven't found that to be the case at all. So I think my advice to companies that are thinking about adopting a flexible, forward-thinking strategy is to not just do what others have done. Tour other spaces, ask lots of questions for sure, but before the architects put one line on a page, take the time to figure out which design and model are going to best fit and enhance your culture. There's no out-of-the-box formula that you can apply to do that. As an organization, you have to put in the hard work of clarifying your goals, studying different options, conducting workshops, focus groups, change management sessions, evaluating survey results, and thoroughly vetting the findings throughout the process. Only then can you start to shape the model that will be successful for you. For us, we determined that we didn't want to adopt sharing ratios that were as aggressive as the big four. We wanted a higher percentage of closed rooms for collaboration and focused work, but we also decided on no assigned private offices, including for partners. And we wanted a greater variety in types of spaces. So those are just a few of the things that resulted from our efforts to understand the right model for Moss Adams. Well, thank you, Wade. I really appreciate this conversation and hearing you talk about how the workplace has had such a positive impact on your industry. Well, it's my pleasure. It's something I have a lot of passion about. Thank you. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.